This is 8 Minutes, a podcast helping you understand the energy transition in just a few minutes. I'm your host, Paul Schuster. Corporations are under enormous pressure to commit to sustainability and emissions reduction goals. Whether that impetus is coming from their customers, their employees, their regulators, or even their investors, many big corporations have come out and made public commitments around their energy usage. But how are they doing? A report from the New Climate Institute in collaboration with Climate Market Watch was released earlier this month and tracked 25 big companies on how they were doing in complying with their commitments. The verdict? Not so hot. In today's episode, we'll try to peel back some of the opaqueness of these corporate climate pledges and help identify where companies are doing well and where they might just be greenwashing for the sake of their ESG ratings. Eight minutes. It's how long it takes the sun's rays to hit Earth, or, in honor of Mardi Gras, about the amount of time anyone stays sober while on Bourbon Street. For the week. Bon chance! Let's get it on! In many ways, corporations are leading the way towards a decarbonized future. Net Zero Tracker estimates that 683 of the world's largest 2,000 companies now have public commitments to reach net zero emissions. On the face of it, having a third of the world's biggest companies pledge to meet climate targets? That's encouraging, but not every commitment is the same. Net Zero Tracker's data suggests that 65% of those commitments don't meet basic minimum levels of robustness. And like I mentioned earlier, New Climate Institute's report suggests it could be even worse. Look, the term greenwashing is thrown around a lot, and this podcast isn't about what is or should not be considered greenwashing. But there's a lot that companies can do to strengthen their commitments and avoid the appearance of offering up pledges just for the sake of a PR or investment bump. Let's start with what's actually being pledged. For one thing, there's a big difference between a target and a commitment. I have a target to get outside and run every morning, but I can't say I'm especially committed to always doing so. And the magnitude of decarbonization being discussed is also important. For instance, what's the difference between net zero and climate neutral? On the face of it, both of those sound great and worthy, but the company has a lot of leeway to reach climate neutrality. For one thing, they could theoretically not reduce their actual emissions at all, and instead purchase carbon offsets on the voluntary market. Given some of the challenges in the quality and integrity of carbon offsets, a topic I covered pretty extensively in a previous episode, any pledges towards climate neutrality should probably be taken with a grain of salt. Offsets, though, seem to play a big role in corporate strategies. New Climate Institute's report estimated that 19 of the 25 companies they looked at planned on using offsets. And the vast majority of those offsets were likely to be nature-based solutions, such as forestry or land conservation. So while those efforts are commendable, they can't really be considered permanent carbon sinks. Trees die, forests burn, and all of that stored carbon goes right back up in smoke. Rather, these NGOs are measuring companies on their commitments to actually reduce their energy usage and emissions as a result. The quality corporate commitments are ones where the company is backing their decarbonization plan with deep tactical efforts to eliminate emissions, electrifying their fleet of vehicles, installing solar panels on their roofs, optimizing their industrial processes to run less or more efficiently. In climate talk, companies have three types of emissions that they need to account for. The first, scope one emissions, 
tracks the emissions that are directly due to the company's operations and activities. For instance, the gas burned in your on-site boiler to keep the building warm, or the diesel burned in your delivery trucks. These are emissions directly controlled by the company. Then there's scope two emissions, which measure the indirect emissions created by purchasing electricity, steam, or other energy sources. I mean, if you leave your lights on overnight, that's causing you to use electricity from the grid, which could be powered by gas or even coal generators. Accounting for that is also important. And then the last category is scope three emissions, which I also covered in a previous episode. These emissions come from the value chain of the company, where the emissions life cycle from supplier through to customer usage is measured. For instance, a range that has parts flown in from China, manufactured in Texas, and shipped to California, that causes a lot of supply chain emissions just from getting that appliance from one place to another. Sourcing domestic parts or siting manufacturing closer to demand may cause costs to rise, but also significantly reduces emissions. And on the customer side of the coin, if that stove is a gas-fired appliance versus an electric appliance, well, the implications are fairly obvious. Back to the Net Zero report, though. As both Net Zero Tracker and New Climate Institute report that very few companies are really focused on scope three emissions. In fact, New Climate estimated that only eight of the 25 companies that they looked at even had moderate levels of detail around how they were going to address supply chain emissions. And well, most of that detail was in strategies around purchasing offsets. Look, reducing actual emissions is tough. It requires investment, resources, time, and a commitment from not just the company, but from their customers, suppliers, investors to see this through. It's not an easy road. But if a company is going to promote their net zero ambitions, then Scope 3 needs to be a part of that puzzle. New Climate, again, estimates that 87% of a company's emissions lie in Scope 3. Fortunately, not all of the analysis is bad. The number of companies making commitments continue to rise, and there's increasing pushback on those that just have targets to put better, more stringent pledges into action. And companies are becoming more sophisticated in terms of how they're evaluating their own decarbonization activities. Just a few years ago, the purchasing of unbundled renewable energy certificates, or RECs, was considered a perfectly legitimate way to associate a company with the purchase of renewable energy. However, more and more companies are transitioning to higher quality power purchase agreements and on-site generation, which have a more measurable impact on actual emissions. And some of those companies are even going further and leading the innovation around the timing and emissions measurement of the type of energy that they purchase. And then there's the Science-Based Targets Initiative. Science-Based Targets are a standard aimed at providing a company with a minimum benchmark to to adhere to for their climate policies. They represent exactly what is needed to keep the Earth on a trajectory of less than 1.5 degrees Celsius rise. They place an urgency on outcomes, and they don't rely upon offsets to get there. By some estimates, companies that have committed to their own science-based targets have already reduced their total emissions on average by 25%. And that may be the big takeaway from the New Climate Institute's report. Corporations aren't necessarily bad actors when it comes to climate change. But without strict standards to hold everyone to in being accountable the easiest route tends to win out more often than not. 
I mean, let's not forget that all of this is voluntary efforts on the part of the company. Absent federal or global regulations on emissions, companies are left to figure this stuff out on their own. And that's where NGOs play such a big role in helping to standardize and shed light on the activities that companies are and are not doing. The intent is truly to help benchmark how everyone is performing so that we can all push towards more quality and integrity in decarbonization efforts. From an individual perspective, evaluating corporate pledges with a keen eye can go a long way. Don't simply assume that net zero means net zero. Is it a target or a commitment? Is the timeline urgent enough to actually drive change? Does the pledge rely upon offsets, or does it include details on deep decarbonization efforts for the company? Does it address scope 3 emissions, as well as everything else that the company can control? Corporations will lead the way as we decarbonize as a planet, but it's obvious that there's still a lot of work left to do. I'm Paul Schuster, and this has been your 8 Minutes. Thank you.